Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Maturity is a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing, maturity. Um, We often see it working through our children's lives when they go from sort of young to old, we see maturity take place. But you see the opposite in children when they're smaller. Uh, They can be emotional wrecks, can't they, when they're young? It's either temper temper tantrums or it's tears over the silliest things that you could think of. Sometimes for a child, uh, over something very tiny, the world is coming to an end. We've all experienced that. Perhaps you might have seen it in a shopping centre sometimes where someone's just chucked a wobbly. Uh, With their immaturity, they just can't process thoughtfully what's happening around them. But wonderfully, they grow up. They begin to mature. Things change. They learn how to rein in their wild emotions. And they're not easily blown over by the wind of challenge or adversity in their lives as a small child. They learn to think carefully and process things with more maturity in their lives as they grow. And with that, they become more stable and have deeper foundations in life. It's a great thing to see maturity happening and taking place and growing. This is precisely what Jesus does in our life as well. Through the Holy Spirit and through his word working in us and through as a community of people, we mature. We become more stable and also are able to deal with life in an overcoming way to the glory of God as the winds of challenge and adversity come our way as well. As we think about maturity today, go to your Bibles and we're going to look in Colossians chapter 1. And we are going to pick up from where Ruth so wonderfully read for us before. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 24 down to chapter 2, verse 2. Now, Paul writes to the Colossians here in verse 24 and says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those that lay at a sea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come this morning again and to gather in person, both here in the next room and online. So we ask, Holy Spirit, it makes no difference where we are. Your word knows no walls, no boundaries, no limits. We ask today as we just begin to think about this and develop maturity in our lives, working in the gospel, we pray, Lord, you will just do that work in our hearts, drawing us to go deeper in you and to grow in maturity and to grow in the love of Christ in and through our lives. Lord, we ask and pray that now in Jesus' name and for his glory. 
Amen. Who is Paul? Just to give you a bit of backdrop, because you might be listening and thinking, what's Colossians all about? Paul is an apostle chosen by God to help establish and grow the church of Jesus Christ. Paul was a witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul's given a ministry to serve the people of God, to guide them and to see them flourish with spiritual health, growing and maturing. Have a look in verse 25 where we see that. He says there, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. What's he received? He's received a ministry, a stewardship, an appointment from God to go to the nations, particularly for Colossians, whom he hasn't seen at this stage. And there he's given that authority to make the word of God fully known to them. Paul is to preach and to teach the word of God. Paul is to teach the truth that God has made known to us and now make it known to the Colossians and us today. Paul's not to go and actually give his own words, his own thoughts, his own feelings, but Paul's given the stewardship to teach God's word. This is how God chooses to reveal himself to us. It's the Holy Spirit enabling us to understand his word, which reveals the person of God to us. God's spirit does that. Conversion to Christ comes through all sorts of varied events in our life. Sometimes through desperate and difficult times, God awakens us. Other times it can be just through the ordinary events and circumstances of life. All of a sudden, the Spirit opens up our eyes to see who Jesus is and to believe in him as our Lord and Saviour. But then we grow with an increasing picture of God revealed to us through the Bible, through the Scriptures, God's Word for us. This is Paul's ministry here for the Colossians. He preaches the gospel. He preaches the good news of Jesus Christ for us to be saved, to be rescued, to be born again. But Paul continues to preach the gospel as well. It's not just you hear the gospel once to be saved. It's a continual hearing of the gospel to keep us growing in maturity and going deeper in Christ. The Colossians have believed in Jesus But now they're struggling with doubt. They're struggling here because they're hearing a different gospel from false teachers who are trying to influence this church here in Colossae. So what does Paul do when he hears about this? He simply reminds them again of the gospel to clear away their confusion and to clear away their doubts. He comes back to the simplicity of the gospel and makes that known again to take away their doubts. As we read there before with Ruth... Uh, Paul gives us this very grand vision here of the preeminence of Christ. He is far above all things, far above everything in this universe. What Paul was, um, what they were struggling with in Colossae was all sorts of challenges here that Christ wasn't the preeminent one. So Paul opens this this beautiful vision here of who Jesus is that, that Ruth read for us before. Paul shows us there that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. This universe is about Christ. Life is about Christ. Jesus shapes everything we do. And as uh, Paul wrote that before, he finished with these couple of verses here in verses 21 and 23, which are really, really powerful. Let's have a look at those. Verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... That's where the Colossians were prior to the gospel becoming enlightened into their heart and their mind. They were alienated, separated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. 
He now says he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus, through his death on the cross, has made you right with God. He has paid the price of your sins. And he says in verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. What's Paul doing here again with the Colossians? He's reminding them again of the hope of the gospel. Just exactly what took place through what Jesus Christ did for us. They've already heard it. But he says, hope in the gospel, because that is where you remain stable and steadfast in this life, anchored to the gospel. Paul's saying, don't buy these false teachers, false ideas, just stay on Christ. Now the Colossian church at the time was struggling. What they were getting told about was some sort of um, uh, false knowledge that you could somehow get to God through a secret knowledge from these false teachers. If you could just learn these secret things that we can teach you as false teachers, and what they were talking about was visions of angels and worshipping angels and denial of some foods and actually um, coming together and um, uh, thinking about this secret knowledge, that this would actually bring you to see a hidden pathway to God. Paul said it's not that, it's about Jesus Christ, it's about God and it's about seeing the preeminence of him. So Paul comes back and he gives them the gospel again. It's all about spirit empowered gospel ministry from start to finish, from start to finish with the Christian life. Okay. Now, there's a goal in mind here for this gospel ministry as well. As Paul is preaching this gospel, he has a goal in mind. And that goal is to mature them in their faith, to help them to grow in their faith. Look at verse 28 where he says that. He says there, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The word mature there means complete. So they're not getting old as in age, but actually complete in Christ is what Paul means there when he writes that wisdom. So complete, it is complete in strength. It is complete in love. It is complete in hope. It is complete in understanding in who Jesus is. See, Jesus doesn't want us to be weak, incomplete, immature, uninformed disciples. So you see, spiritually weak and uninformed followers of Jesus will always be subject to doubts and the confusion that we have within us and also that we face in the world around about us, just like these Colossians are. They're struggling against these doubts and confusion that they're hearing from these other false teachers. A circumstance in your life may come and challenge you. It may challenge your belief in Jesus. Hard times do come along and we can feel crushed by them as well. And if you're weak and you're uninformed about Christ and the broken world we live in, you'll easily begin to doubt what's happening in your life. You'll begin to doubt your faith even. These difficult circumstances can get on top of us. And with a lack of understanding of Jesus and this world, we can easily despair about life and despair about our Christian life and think, maybe it's not true. 
maybe I've bought into a lie. This isn't where Jesus wants us to be. This isn't where Paul wants us to be either. So he leads Paul to strengthen and grow these believers in maturity. It's a glorious picture there of what Christ does. He doesn't leave us, as it were, floundering in the valley of challenge, in the valley of despair. He strengthens us to be able to mature and grow in our faith and to go deep in him. It's a beautiful picture of who Christ is and what he does with us. So how does Paul do this maturing and strengthening here with the Colossians? What's he do? It's the continual presentation or the presenting of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, look in verse 28 where it says, Him we proclaim. Paul's not proclaiming himself. Paul's not proclaiming another big time preacher somewhere. Paul's proclaiming Jesus Christ again. Paul's proclaiming the good news of Christ. Paul's proclaiming the gospel. How does Paul do that? Well, he says there, warning everyone. Warning everyone. There's a negative element, as it were, to the gospel of transformation. And there has to be a negative element. We are called to warn against broken, sinful living. Sinful living that leads to destruction in our lives. Sinful living that leads to a path of disaster. We need to lovingly and truthfully correct sinful behaviour. Hard things need to be said lovingly. It's actually the loving thing to do is to bring correction and warning into people's lives. Just imagine if we didn't correct our children and warn them of their childish behaviour and just let them go. That's unloving. That's unloving to do that. But we need to bring correction into people's lives, bring warning into people's lives. Hey, if you keep living this way, this will only end up in one place. Destruction, disaster. So Paul says, warning everyone. Then he goes on and says this, teaching everyone as well. Just like we go to school to learn all about life, so do we also go and learn about the creator of life and God. There's a positive element to the gospel here as well. Paul's ministry to these believers at Colossians is to bring here this teaching of Jesus and who he is and the transformation that he brings to our lives. The positive element of the gospel is all about what Christ has done for us. That it's not about me climbing my way up to somehow reach God, that God has already come down and reached me through Jesus and sent his son to die on the cross. It's a very positive thing. It's God's grace. It's God's love. It's God's mercy. We don't warn people about that. We actually worship God about that and tell people this is a glorious thing he's done for us. So Paul says we're warning everyone, but we're also teaching everyone, teaching them how to respond in life, teaching them again how to respond as certain situations come in life by teaching everyone the good news of Christ. Warning, teaching Can I just stop here and say this though? I think Christianity today is sadly lacking in this teaching ministry and also a willingness to learn as well. It's at a low ebb. A lot of surveys will say the Bible reading is not high on the agenda for believers. When I say high on the agenda, I'm saying regular, consistent Bible reading. And even in that, it's at a low ebb where people aren't willing to stop and think and reflect upon what they're reading and try and uh, meditate upon that. It's unfortunately at a low ebb. Sad, but the opposite here is what uh, Paul and Jesus are leading towards. 
Their goal here is gospel maturity. To grow Christ in our understanding and the knowledge of him. And this maturity strengthens us to be able to overcome the doubts and the challenges we'll face through false teachers or false ideas trying to work their way into our hearts and in our lives. Paul takes us a a step further here, which I think is just wonderful as we see this. He doesn't leave this learning, this teaching, this warning as some sort of mental, intellectual thing that we become sort of, you know, just learning, learning, learning all the time. Because sometimes you might think, well, gee, won't all this learning just bore us to tears? Like I did everything I could to get out of school as quick as I could. Because I was sort of over this learning, learning, learning. Not so, says Paul. There's something incredibly different here about maturing, particularly our learning about the gospel and growing deeper in that. And the fact is, actually, the, the, the more we grow in the gospel, it's the deeper the Holy Spirit actually uh, stirs our affections and grows a bigger vision of who Jesus is as we do that. Have a look at what Paul says here in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. He says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul's got a major struggle going here to preach the gospel. It wasn't easy. He was facing persecution and challenges, but he was struggling for something very, very important here. And he goes on in verse 2 because he talks about this fruit he's going to see in their lives. And he says this in verse 2, struggling then that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. What's the fruit that Paul's going to see? That he believes the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts as he opens up the word within them? The first piece of fruit's this. He says there, that their hearts may be encouraged. That their hearts may be encouraged. Encouragement is a powerful thing. It is a glorious thing to be encouraged. How do you feel when you've been criticised or harshly corrected for something? You don't feel too good, do you? You actually feel inadequate. You feel steamrolled, depending on how harsh the person may have been. You feel weak. You maybe even feel shameful when you're you're harshly corrected or criticised heavily. How do you feel, though, when you're encouraged? Great, don't you? You feel fantastic. Encouragement picks you up. And you feel very positive about where you're at. You feel supported by encouragement. It's a wonderful thing. Maturing in the gospel, growing in our understanding of who Christ is, bears the fruit of encouragement in our lives. It's a beautiful thing. Encouraged in the strength of who Jesus is and what he does in our lives for us. Encouragement actually buoys us, carries us, strengthens us. Paul said that's the fruit of maturity. Being encouraged in the gospel. Paul says this, we'll bear some other fruit as well. He says this, we'll be being knit together in love as the fruit of maturity in the gospel. And that's what maturity does. It bears this fruit of love. We grow in our awareness of Christ's love in our lives as we grow in the gospel. As we understand what he's done for us and the love he shows us that grows in our heart. His love, that's a beautiful thing to experience. Christ's love in our heart. We can't really express what that's like in words, though. It's amazing how it just comes upon us at times. 
I've shared this story before. I'm going to share it again. I was um, flying home from uh, visiting uh, a persecuted country with believers a few years ago, and I was sitting in the aeroplane. It was about three o'clock in the morning. We'd just left Dubai and coming back. And I opened up the book of Galatians, and I got to um, about chapter five, I think, or six, and it said, You are a son of God. Just like three simple words just brought me to tears. What did I experience? God's love in my heart. I'm his son. I'm God's son. Just in the darkness of that plane, just, just ex- I can't express the words, but I experienced God's love again as I just grew in my depth again of the knowledge of the gospel. A fantastic thing. Also, we grow in relationships of love with each other. Just the same as growing in gospel maturity in the community of believers. That's what a gospel community is all about. It's Christ's love growing through us and through all of us together in relationship. What's the Bible say? The world will know us by the love we have for one another. That's the fruit of maturity growing in our heart, his love. Relationships and communities of gospel, love for each other, are incredibly empowering for us. When you know you're loved by somebody, you just feel encouraged and supported and strengthened. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Because we're not competing against each other. We're here to build each other up. This is the fruit of maturity. We're not trying to take each other down. We're supporting and loving each other. We had a beautiful example of that here in this church, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, We had a lady here whose car pulled up at the front door of the church. And it stopped and she went out after church and she could not start the car. So what did two guys do? One guy went down the street and bought a new starter motor. Another guy went and fitted the starter motor in the car and she drove home that day. How do you think she felt? Loved. That's the maturing of the gospel fruit working in our hearts and in our lives. It's a beautiful thing. Paul's got more for us though. He says this also, that we'll have a heart that bears the fruit of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is, in, which is Christ. Now Paul's pretty good with words, isn't he? There's quite a mouthful of what he's just said there, but he's actually saying this. When you are deeply committed to a loving community centred on the gospel, you'll experience a growing assurance and confidence of who Jesus is and the salvation we have in him. This is pertinent for the Colossians right where they are right now because they are full of doubts and confusion. Maybe that's you today as well. You're doubting, you're confused. This is what the maturing of gospel fruit does. It brings this confidence and assurance to us. The community we are fellowshipping with continually shows me Christ's love and that comforts me, that grows me. And they continually teach me about Christ by the way I see them living and living Christ out. That helps me to grow my assurance of my salvation as well, that I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing this with a community of people. It's a beautiful thing Paul says there. You see, if you step away from gospel community, then your confidence in Jesus and your assurance in Christ begins to dry up, begins to wither away. It doesn't pay to step out of community. Community is where we actually mature in the gospel. You step away from that and you actually begin to dry up and you wither away because you're lacking what God gives to us through community. This is where Paul is establishing the Colossians as they face these doubts, as they face false teachers and the challenges of this world. The ministry that Paul has is the teaching of the gospel. 
continually, continually. The goal that Paul has is gospel maturity, complete in strength, complete in hope, and complete in understanding. The fruit of the gospel is encouragement. The fruit of the gospel and maturity is love. It's confident assurance in Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. That's glorious fruit to bear. And the Colossians, as they realign themselves again with the gospel, they'll be able to overcome any false teaching or any false influences that come into their lives because they're getting back to the gospel. They're getting back to the redeeming work of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Jesus is glorious. His salvation is unbelievable. His transformation turns our lives all around for good, not for bad. Now, have a guess what? He's still doing the same thing today. He's still rescuing people and saving people today. And it's glorious transformation. And have a guess what? He's going to keep doing that. And that's what we live for and work for here at Exchange. Connecting people to Jesus and growing people across because we want more and more people to experience this glorious gospel. We want more and more people to experience this glorious person in Jesus Christ who saves and transforms. So you may be asking then, where's the connection? Where's the connection with the gospel ministry centre as we think about this ministry Paul has for the Colossians? Well, we've purposely called the building that we're raising funds for a gospel ministry centre. Purposely called that. Why? Why, you may ask? Because every ministry at Exchange Church is a gospel ministry. Every single thing we do has a gospel focus here at Exchange Church. Everything we do in seeking to serve everybody else is all about growing people in Jesus Christ and growing them in maturity in and through that. Every single person who calls Exchange home and calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Saviour, we'd like to think are also in gospel ministry. Every single aspect. We all have different roles here. I have the role as lead pastor, but that makes no difference in the sense of whether I'm lead pastor or someone's serving coffee or someone's cleaning up after the service and getting the hall ready to present back to the council. We all contribute to the gospel in various ways because we're all one body and we're all one team, different roles, but it's all gospel ministry at the end of the day. That is our focus, and that will always be our focus. We will not lose that focus here at Exchange, so therefore we want to hold that focus by saying we're not just building a building or a church, it is that, but we're building a gospel ministry centre to continue the work of the gospel. Because we're convinced absolutely convinced that the next step for us in gospel ministry is a permanent home to maximise our efficiency and our effectiveness to mature people in Christ. We have an example of that today, actually right here today. Uh, some of you may have seen our kids they're meeting on earlier on. Uh, our, actually, our kids can't meet today effectively and efficiently to help grow them in the gospel. The, the building we've got here doesn't cater for that, and particularly the circumstances we're currently in can't do that. But we are 100% committed to our kids. 
I love seeing kids. I've had four kids with Laurel. I love them. I love seeing these little kids. I've picked up little Aaron before, uh, Ezra before. You just can't help but adore these kids. We want them to treasure Christ. We want them to go through the whole maturing process of learning Jesus, learning the gospel from the very foundations of life through that, through teenage years, through adult. We want to see our kids, that generation, treasure Jesus Christ. So for a gospel ministry centre, we want to strategically have a place built there where we actually can help mature these children to see them be the next generation to carry the baton of the gospel. If there's one thing I want my kids to have, which they're not kids now, they're adults, I want them to treasure Christ above all things. So we want to do that efficiently and effectively in every possible way we can. But you might say there, Todd, you're talking about buildings. Can't the gospel grow without buildings? Does it really need a building? Can't we just keep doing what we're doing? Sure, we could. But we can't negate the human factor that God has created us with. That we're human beings that um, have sensory perceptions and think uh, a whole range of ways and feel a whole range of ways. Take this for example. Imagine if we met today in this building with no heating. Ask Stephen and Doug what it was like probably at 6.30 this morning when they walked in here. What would your focus be on if there was no heating? How do I get warm? How do I get another jacket? How do, how do I just stay warm here? That would be the focus, wouldn't it? And even now, if these heaters weren't going here and it was cold, you would be hearing me but maybe not listening to me because you'd be more focused on cold. Well, why not send the kids outside then as we think about that? You know, let's just do, if it's not inefficient and ineffective here, why not just send the kids outside because they can do easy see kids outside thinking about this human factor? No, we could. But that would come with a mountain of inconvenience. Firstly, parents are going to say, it's just way too cold out there. The kids will say it's not too cold because they'll just want to run around crazy. Firstly, we'll say it's too cold. And secondly, if you put them out there in that green space, I think we'd need drone patrols to catch all the runaways. Inconvenient, inefficient, ineffective. It just wouldn't work, would it? That's not how it is. There's a human fact that we need to take into consideration, which is how God has made us. We can't negate those things. The next step, we believe, is a permanent place for Exchange Church for maximised gospel growth across all generations. Not only the kids, but teenagers, adults, the whole way. We want a facility for kids, youth, men's and uh, women's and ministries that are 100% committed to gospel maturity, just like Paul's doing with the Colossians here. Ministry that models Jesus at every age and stage to strengthen us to overcome the doubts that we are all faced with from time to time. Ministry that goes across to every generation to see them grow and mature in love and confident assurance in who Jesus is. Just this week I heard this very distressing story of someone I know who's deconstructing their faith, someone who was once committed to the cause of Christ. Now, this person shared on their journey that they were going through the dark night of the soul. That was this catchphrase here, where this person experienced major burnout and mental fatigue that basically they crashed and burned in the breakdown. As I listened to this, it was distressing. 
They shared about um, that they discovered this book. Not this book, but another book. A book on New Age thinking. And this book taught this person to look within, to find strength within. That's where you'll find your healing. And they discovered, they thought that they could heal themselves by looking within. And this person thought that they'd finally found what life was all about. Freedom, peace they'd never felt before. And they they found it, they said, within themselves. They were deconverting away from Christ and looking to themselves and no longer to Jesus. The more I thought about this, I said, yeah, I can imagine you would feel that peace and freedom. Because all of a sudden, all the restraints are off in life. And in a sense, it would feel free. But it's not true freedom. You're still bound up to those desires inside of you. They had doubts about the gospel. They had doubts about who Jesus was because of what they were experiencing. And then they walked away from it. We can't stop the doubts, and we never will stop the doubts, but we can take control of how we respond to those doubts. And that's what we want to do at Exchange here through a gospel ministry centre, is help people to mature, to be complete in strength and hope and love and encouragement so they can be stable when those doubts come. And we want to do that walking together with everybody, uh, growing in Christ together, maximising this to our absolute um, best. So as we think about that, we want to extend again this invitation for you to open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to to, uh, inspire you within, to stir within you gospel joy to partner with with us as we seek to build this gospel ministry centre as a body of believers. Today, we just want to give you a bit of encouragement We as a collective board have been thinking about this and talking about this for the last few months. And we would like to inform you of our commitment, of our commitment as six uh, guys and their wives on the board, of what we are committing towards this gospel ministry centre ourselves. We don't say this number to uh, big note ourselves. We say this with all humility, but we want to encourage the church to say we are 100% committed to this as a board. So we as a board have committed $96,200. I'm so encouraged by that. So encouraged by that. I trust and pray that that would encourage you. So you would have received a Gospel Ministry Centre donation and pledge card today. That's for all people who call Exchange Church Home. For you visiting for the first time, that's fantastic here. But for those who consider Exchange Church Home, we ask that you prayerfully consider what you could commit to this golden opportunity for gospel ministry. Because it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and how we can share that with others. And not just for now, for generations to come. So we encourage you. Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Talk to your children. Have conversations about what you can do. We understand for some it will be little, and for others it could be more than that. We get that. We understand that. 
We pray, please fill these cards out with hope, with faith, with sacrificial generosity. And we'll collect these over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about a bit more about this again next week and I'll answer some more questions. And then on September the 12th, we want to announce just God's goodness in our lives. Join with me in prayer. God, in so many ways, this is beyond us. Lord, we know that you're with us. And God, our heart's desire, our heart's desire, I can't say this enough, Lord, our heart's desire is to magnify Jesus Christ. God, if we can just conceive of what you have done for us, your one and only Son, you send him to this world that you've created, this world that has rebelled before you and rejected you your one and only son and he is crushed on the cross because of my sin God if we can only conceive of that that you would lift our heart's vision out of the here and now And give us eternal perspective, Lord. And I pray that through that Holy Spirit, you would just foster and grow within us a spirit of generosity that is all about worship, worshipping our Saviour, declaring the sacrifice that he has made for us, and praying, Lord, praying, Lord, that others too would know this sacrifice that Jesus had made for us. And that they too, Lord, would partner with us for all eternity to worship and praise our glorious Saviour. Lord, as people this week begin to pray, as people this week begin to have conversations, I pray, Holy Spirit, just stir hearts within with a bigger vision of who Jesus is. Let that flow out of our hearts and lives. With a spirit of generosity, I pray. Father, today, I do ask and do pray all these things in Jesus' name. And for his absolute glory alone. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.